0: You're listening to the Pure Desire Podcast, your safe place to find hope, healing, and freedom from sexual addiction, betrayal, and relationship issues. Hello, hello. I am your host, Trevor Windsor, and you are listening to episode 144 of the Pure Desire Podcast. Here, joining me as always, my co-host, Nick Stumbo.
1: Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing, bang. Ooh, e, ooh, ah, ah. Are, yeah, you are you going to interrupt or let no, me keep going? going. <laughs> I mean, just, I,
0: I feel like I I don't know what to do. It's do you, great. Do you know what that's from? I sounds familiar.
1: Yeah, well, it, it does, and I didn't know what it was from either until I had to look up the lyrics online. It is actually an Alvin and the Chipmunks song okay. called Witch Doctor, <laughs> which I never knew. Maybe not. The now greatest we have to put the explicit doc- tag yeah, on this like, episode. Great.
0: Okay. Well, good. There you go. <laughs> Okay, well, before we get into today's episode, a couple quick things. Uh, first off, subscribe to the podcast if you have not. Uh, don't wait anymore. We've got a lot of content out there. You can find us on all the major platforms. And if you can, please give us a review. It helps more people see the podcast. It means a lot to us. Also, you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The handle is at Pure Desire PDMI. And if you like to consume video content, we have clips of these episodes as well up on YouTube. Just search Pure Desire Ministries. Well, today we sat down with one of our favorite people, Rodney Wright. Rodney is our advancement specialist, one of our speakers, and co-author with his wife of our newest parenting resource, How to Talk with Your Kids About Sex. We had Rodney on to talk really, we're talking about relationships outside of group during recovery.
1: Yeah, and I think Rodney is such a great voice in this because really he's been living it for over 20 years from the time of his initial recovery and and just the way he's navigated relationships, I think, and learned and grown and has a lot to offer us because I know most of us are not 23 years in, we're right. one or two or three. And and it's an area that can be challenging, especially when there's something in our life that's really developing, that's new, it's, it's personal. It's hard to know like, okay, where does that enter into my normal life? As, as I think mm-hmm. of it, like, what do I bring back to friends? What do I share and when? And there's not like straightforward, easy answers, but I think today's episode will really help listeners process based on where they're at, what kind of conversations could they be having and how. Mm -hmm. And Rodney
0: is always a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Great to converse with him.
0: Enjoy the episode. Rodney, thanks for being here.
2: Glad to be here with you. We like having you on. Thank good you. to see
0: you in person.
2: Yes, it's We're excited. It's, it's always good when I come into town. We Even do a couple you things. You're you better know?
0: half. You're still okay.
2: Thank you very much. We like
0: yeah. We like Rodney as as Rodney. We also like the rights, but we like Rodney.
2: Yep. As well, I'm glad to be a part of this uh, team and I love the podcast. And whenever I travel, if people know about Pure Desire, they're always loving the podcast. So it's always great to hear that.
0: You, I, you're one of the biggest fans of the podcast. <laughs> we appreciate that a lot. Thank you. So. um Many people may not know this, but you and Tracy live in Coeur d'Alene, and so Correct. the fact that you're here in Oregon with us is that's why we're making you know a big yeah. deal out of it is when we get to have you in office. So we're excited today. We're going to talk through really a topic we've been I think we've had a lot of discussions um, with multiple people on really when you get into group. Uh, really community changes a little bit. Your perception or perspective of community changes, what it looks like to be real and raw with people. And we're gonna talk through a little bit um, about relationships outside of group and how there's there could be a tension there. There could be mm-hmm, a little yeah. bit of uh, uncertainty of how to handle it. So we're gonna talk about that today. Excellent. Let's just start with this. Um, and this is a pretty general question. I think a lot of us especially ask at the front end of recovery um if we're in group should we share that with our friends outside a group and if so how do we share
2: that I think it's a great question um for me as I was thinking through this topic a little bit today um I think a word that comes to my mind is discernment mm-hmm. learning to listen to the voice within your own you know uh, consciousness your the holy spirit you know and maybe asking a couple questions about when to share who to share with uh you know is this beneficial for the person I'm talking to mm-hmm. um uh people already I'm already in group so I think just that discernment piece is uh is this beneficial or helpful to this friend what's the maturity level of this friend that I have mm-hmm. um that's good you know uh, how would they respond to this and uh I think in a general sense it's okay to let people know you're seeking to get help in some area but I just would say use discernment is is a, a general rule yeah and um because it's not always helpful, or not everybody has the right context to understand. Um, but generally, a mature person is going to be pretty excited that someone's getting help at some level of their life. So I think just you know, in general, it's okay as as long as you feel like the person you know uh, doesn't have to know everything or right. you know in yeah. that regard. But discernment, I think, is an important part of that. Yeah, you know?
1: absolutely. I I think this can be a really challenging area. I know when my wife and I went through our first recovery group. You know, I was the pastor of our church. And there were a lot of reasons why it wasn't appropriate on the front end for everyone to know. And so if if everyone couldn't know, then you also knew there were certain people that couldn't know because then everybody would know. (laughs) And we're aware of who those people (laughs) are in our our world. And just uh, sometimes Uh, they don't even mean to spread that news, but they do. And and it was hard for us because we were even needing some days childcare to go and meet with counselors. Right. Um, and we didn't share the specifics, but we would say, you know, we're we're just getting some help in our marriage, some mm-hmm. assistance, and it's really good for us. And and we found that most people that was sufficient because they, you know, they can read into that. This is yeah. it's personal. If they want to tell me more, they probably will. Right. Uh, so they didn't ask a lot of questions. Uh, but I I think that is what we want to try to work on is that we're not going to be deceptive about it right. and try right. to hide what we're doing, right. but that doesn't mean we have to give the exact details. So to say, like you mentioned, Rodney, I'm I'm in a group for support. Mm-hmm. It's, it's some, something I'm getting help with. Yeah. That in that season, that may be enough. And then down the road, you'll be able to share more and more. Yeah. And the other thing that, that comes to mind for me, I think if there are people in your life you have already shared this with, maybe you have a mentor or a friend you've confessed to and asked for yeah. help. You've had someone that's prayed with you. Mm-hmm. I think it can actually be really wise and helpful to go to those people yeah. and say, hey, Remember, you know, six months ago, I shared this with you, and we prayed together. I appreciate that so much. Uh, I want you to know, I'm, I'm in a group now every week, and I'm yeah. working towards, and I'd really appreciate your prayer as I go through it, mm-hmm. but that can help those people kind of know that, oh, okay, they're taking some steps, and then they can really be a part of your support, right. even if they're not in your group, uh, yeah, right. whereas other friends, it's just, it's not the right timing to right. go to others. So right. like you said, discernment is, is needed.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think also depending how and when you come to group mm-hmm. or a counselor or a setting is important too. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if um, you're kind of self-aware and you make a movement about, you know, this is about me wanting to get healthy, not about getting caught or mm-hmm. something blowing up, mm-hmm. that determines how and when you would speak to people as well. Right. So, um, you know, if, you're, if your wife has left you for uh, three weeks and people are saying, hey, what's going on? Yeah. You know, that's maybe a yeah. different scenario than just... Um, uh, self-awareness, and now you're moving toward getting help, and yeah. you're starting on a journey. Well, and, so, and,
0: and taking into consideration too, I mean, not that uh, many people would do this, but sharing it like on social media or making it public that you're going to this group affects more than just you. Like yes. If you've got a spouse that's on the yeah, other side, point. whether you're struggling or betrayed, exactly. that kind of drags them through the mud a little yes. bit in, yes. in the limelight of, of people. You know, what's going on in people's yeah. lives. And so I think just consider who it's impacting. Because yeah. if you've got kids too that yep. maybe don't exactly know what's yep. going on, yep. and you're Sharing all this stuff, like they may get questions, like "What's it like that your mom and dad are working on this?" And it's right. like, "What is going on?" Like, so I think just I gotta consider go that. check Facebook, <laughs> right?
2: Seriously. Well, as a couple using discernment together, yeah. and not just uh, if one wants to and one doesn't. It's it's not just about an individual; it's right. about the marriage now. Yeah. And so I think that's going to be mutually beneficial to both. Mm-hmm. And if if holding it tight, the information, yeah. uh, the the one spouse, male or female, mm-hmm. who's been betrayed they want that information held held tight i think then that's a real healthy conversation to have yeah. then who can i confide in right. other than my group and then together making that initial step mm-hmm. so i think yeah. that's uh, that's crucial yeah
1: yeah i think one of the amazing things that happens in group if we engage and we're all in and we you know we make that choice to trust the people we're in group with is yeah. that we get to a level of honesty and vulnerability that i i think for most of us and maybe all of us it's it's a new level that's like We're saying i've never shared this level with other people and uh, what's interesting is over time that actually becomes normal that i come to group and i just i unload everything you know the good the bad and the Mm -hmm. ugly but when it comes to friends in our life and people around us that are not in group is that the same level of honesty and vulnerability we should try to bring into those friendships as well or how do we navigate like what what should i incorporate into all my friendships versus what's maybe too much in a friendship outside a group
2: Yeah, I I think this was uh, an issue that a lot of people struggle with when they initially get freedom and they feel like this story doesn't own me anymore, I'm breaking through my shame, I'm with uh, a confidential counselor or a confidential group and I'm freedom to share, then they feel like that that freedom should go everywhere, every time, every place. And I I think discernment would say that's not necessarily the best. So I think just recognizing... in your confidential group, that's the time to do your work and to share your, your information, yeah. Yeah. to share your history, to share to what degree um, your woundedness or your um, your uh, struggle is at, your addiction. But I think with other relationships, again, I think it goes back to that discernment piece mm-hmm. and recognizing um, it's not always beneficial to others, yeah. nor is it just helpful information, and so um, just recognizing uh, the more general you stay that, yeah, I seek help, and I'm in a group, and it's really working for me, and then um, encouraging others along those lines to yeah. take steps toward their authenticity. You can be authentic without sharing all the details is what I'm trying to say. 100%, yeah. And I think for, um, many times uh, that's what I really struggle with. I felt like I wasn't being authentic if Nick and Trevor didn't know everything I shared maybe right. with a therapist or a counselor. Right. It's not necessarily the case. Not yeah. everybody needs to know everything. Right. right? And I think that's an important takeaway, yeah. that just know that. And right. it doesn't mean you're not being inauthentic, it just means no. you're being discerning right. that it's not helpful information. Well, I
0: so perfect example, I've got a large group of, of friends and community at our church, and they all know where I work, um, and I know my story really well, because yeah. I've lived it for right, 30, right. almost 32 years. Um, what I have found is that sharing ab- about emotional awareness, intelligence, that sort of stuff ends up being really beneficial yeah. and, and sharing from my experience. So mm-hmm. it's something that mm-hmm. like, I'm seeing some connections with some wounds that I have. I'm seeing some self-awareness in this area. Yeah. Um, and, and really talking about more how, uh, language we use is fruit to root, like basically what motivations or things in my life are motivating the behaviors right. that I have. Right. And that seems to be a softer kind of entry mm-hmm. for people in yeah, that conversation sure. where I'm still sharing what's going on. Yeah. I'm just not saying, and in the past that used to cause me to go binge on, you know, porn and masturbation and then act out with someone. And then I'd have a relapse, like you have to walk through the whole process, Correct. but you can still share what you're learning and yeah. experiencing in the self-awareness and emotional intelligence area. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really a great point that those emotional connection pieces are much easier mm-hmm. to discuss shame, core beliefs that I've yeah. learned that are lies right. that I need yeah. to change about my go. identity, because everyone can relate to those and it doesn't yeah. feel awkward. I I think it is the awareness of the things that maybe have become common or comfortable for us. I mean, even using the word masturbation, how many people that that is still, if you use that word in conversation, to them, it's just like, whoa, is, You know, they're looking around for kids. Is this safe? What, what are we talking about here? And they're defensive <laughs> or worried or... Just that's because true. to them, that's not a normal conversation no. to have. Correct. Mm-hmm. So I think when it comes to our behaviors, it comes to some mm-hmm. of those more personal or private things, you just need to consider the context. Yes. That your, your small group with mixed crowd of men right. and women, keep it more on maybe the emotional right. learnings. Totally. Um, or if you're with a family gathering. Yeah. but If you're one-on-one with a friend um, of the same gender, then there may be that ability to... Yeah to realize, boy, this right. is someone I, I can be that level of vulnerable with because on the other side, it may open them up to that same thing yeah. of going, oh, wow, you're getting help for for yeah. those issues. I didn't yeah. even know that was possible and, and me yeah. too. Yeah. And what could I do? And so right. consider the context and um, I think you see a lot of fruit come from those times.
0: I've got a funny uh, story. Um, we were, uh, this last Christmas, we were having a, a, a our growth group, our community group got together and had a Christmas party. And uh, one of our friends, and she's one of the funniest people I know. Um, she said uh, in a sentence, she was talking about something and then said the P word. And I'm like, really? We're adults. Like, you have kids, you can't say the word penis. And she, like, snap in the moment, said, Uh, not everyone is paid to say the word penis, Trevor. And I'm like, oh, okay. So like people know that it's my job to talk about sex and sexuality and brokenness, but it's still not normal for other people. And so there's also that sensitivity, like, don't you want to like hit people over the head with these topics that are really not natural and normal, which is not what we would like. We would like this to be a normal part of conversation, but it's not. And so being uh, aware of even that is probably helpful, but yeah. just a funny story to maybe yeah. illustrate it. Right.
2: It goes back to that discernment piece, totally. Not. you know, and about uh, just the awareness <laughs> You're of that. camping out there. That's yeah, what we're going to yeah. keep coming back exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. But I do think there is something really beneficial in letting people know that you're seeking help, you know, that, that, that's a piece of vulnerability mm-hmm that I think they don't always need to know the details or what necessarily areas, but it's it's a, it's a phrase that I really believe in. Healthy people seek help, mm-hmm. and seeking help is not a sign of our weakness but wisdom. Mm-hmm. So that's always appropriate vulnerability in the sense of you don't have to tell them in what area or what way. Um, and, and again, depending on just kind of the parameter of who knows what right. you know, and how it all came about, letting people know, yeah, we're seeking some outside help or I'm in a group seeking help. Um, uh, what kind of group it's a support group, it's a program group, it's a, it's a, it's a recovery group, you know, again, just depending on discernment of what information is helpful or how much do you trust Mm -hmm. that person in that regard? And
1: and we can let the other person help dictate that by what kind of questions they ask. Because if we share, we're in a support group and then they start talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. We know probably not going to keep going down that road, but if they keep, if they're showing interest, then I think it gives us permission. Right. But as we were, you were telling that story, Trevor, it made me think about these. There are a lot of topics in this area that are taboo. Yeah. And when something is taboo, it means we don't really talk about it. And it's not just that the word itself is taboo. Right. It's that there is shame or feelings associated with those words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. in a context of with other people, we need to be aware of. There are certain words or language that, it it might trigger something in them emotional of shame yeah. or fear or that's right. wrong mm-hmm. and. So we just want to introduce some of those things very gently and yes. in the right context, because if if what we say just triggers in them this reaction of shame or anger or fear, it's going to shut down conversation anyway. Yep. So well, I, I think we have to be careful we don't say things for shock effect, or right. in some people's personality, they want to be kind of edgy, and totally. so they talk about you know words that others aren't using, but... It kind of makes everybody else lean out and just go, "Man, I do not want to hear more about that because it's kind of weird and scary." So,
2: well, I think that's for me part of that discernment piece yeah. of just how you know how to use language and how to do it. I know even just when we communicate publicly in a setting on a Sunday morning in a con- with a congregation or in a parent training, uh, some of this language may be triggering for some of you here. So I I just want to be aware of that. And and to acknowledge it. I just want to to be aware of that. And if it does trigger you, make sure you seek some help. Or we're not trying to be offensive or triggering. We're just trying to have healthy conversations uh, about that. Um,
0: Which really what you're doing is you're being considerate of other people at that point, which is a good value.
2: Yeah, discerning that this may not be easy for other people here, especially if you're dealing with something that they haven't dealt with in their life. Uh, Maybe it's a wound or an addiction or negative history that they've just tried to avoid, and now it's kind of coming back up again. It kind of catches them off guard. Um, And just
0: remember, though, that we were all there at one point. like We were all, like, when we heard that word, like, ah, this kind of feels weird, so just try to tap into that. Yeah,
2: for sure. I know just in my story, um, when I disclosed to my wife, Tracy, it was a very uh, traumatic experience for her, and uh, there was a couple days there where we were separated, Uh, I picked up the phone and called all my siblings and my parents and my in-laws. So I knew to what parameter uh, my choices had brought pain. And those were the people that I trusted, and they were my family. And those are the ones that I wanted to have those honest conversations right. with. To what degree, and and um, in the sense of, uh, for some it was more spe- detailed oriented, and for some it was more specific. Again, just using discernment, but just say, hey, this is where we're at as a family. Um, for me, I you know I have a I felt safe with family and knew that you know I wanted to bring them on the loop. Yeah. But again. Not all the families are the same. No. So yeah. that's where you want to use sure. discernment in that yeah. regard. For some,
1: the families are the last people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, right. um, or not
2: at all. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I, again, it just, discernment I think is a big, big part of that. If you had a best friend that has walked with you through everything mm-hmm. um, and you tr- have high trust, I mean, man, those are the right people to get in your group. But yeah. husband and wife, I would definitely say um, be on the same page about who you let in to that circle yeah. and who you share what with, right. you know, to what... Uh, to what degree.
0: Yeah. So, um, our groups are extremely confidential and not because we're trying to keep secrets or bring about deception or anything like that, but mostly for safety. Yeah. Yeah. And so with that in mind, uh, what is, what does that balance look like between being honest with somebody and then also maintaining that safe culture and that confidentiality?
2: Well, as far as group goes, I think it's important not to share stories or not to disclose anything just uh, about what's ever happening or being said in the group. Uh, We're a group of individuals that are working through our brokenness, and it's a safe place to do that. And so I think really just having a high standard of that, um, if you're going to share anything, to me, it's just sharing your own story, never somebody else's story. And again, discernment is what leads you to share how much or how little of that. Um, But I think that's really the criteria, you know. In that regard. Yeah. I,
1: I think there are times when we may realize that someone else's story could be helpful, like to maybe share with our spouse or to share with another group that we're a part of. And, and in those cases, you really want to ask that person's permission to just say, you know what, you shared about how you and your wife overcame this obstacle. My wife and I are facing something similar. Would you be okay if I shared your story with my wife? And and in that case, particularly if it's something more positive that they faced to challenge and overcame right, it, right. the group member by and large is going to go, yeah, I'd, right. I'd love to help you guys. And in fact, if your wife wants to call my wife, I yeah, know she'd yeah, be, yeah. you know, so that can happen. But it's right. just to be respectful of, I don't ever have permission to tell your story from group unless you've given it. Right. So that's just the operating, um, that's just how we operate is yeah. I can share what I've shared, but yeah. never what someone else has.
0: Well, yeah. uh, there's... Um and I would, I would totally agree. I think there's something that if you're sharing your experience, you can still share your experience. Like an example, uh, for me, part of a group that was really helpful was other people's answers really brought light to what was going on that I mm-hmm. hadn't seen yet. And so in conversations with my wife, I can say, one of my group members mentioned something about this, and then it connected for me. And then here – so it's almost like an on-ramp into my experience where I'm not saying, so this person – that's in this group with me did this, but it's more of like a general, this was talked about in group and it helped me connect stuff in my head and my heart to understand it. So I I feel like there's a balance there.
1: Yeah, and I agree with what you're saying that I think some people do give themselves permission. Well, if I didn't share their name, it's okay. And even that really could be breaking confidentiality because over time, it, it's almost unavoidable. Like if you go to the same church with people in your group, over time, right, right. you're going to start to kind of piece yeah. together, okay, they're, they're in group and they're in group. Yeah. But that that doesn't mean you, you know their stories. And so if you start going to your spouse or friends, like, well, one of the guys in my group talked about this affair. The tall they, one, yeah. Yeah, and, and we think we've protected their confidentiality, but <laughs> right. really we've given enough pieces that it's not going to yeah. be hard for others to put it together. So yeah. Yeah. we need to avoid that. But yeah, what you're sharing, if you say, boy, someone else pointed out how this, you know, this scripture... Really applies to our journey, and that meant so much to me. Well, now
0: you're not sharing anything personal, so right, talking about a principle rather than
2: a piece of someone's story. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure.
0: Yeah, because I think that that just in general, that that's what we always encourage people is just share your experience. Yeah, and and two, I would I would just say in in that that you're really sharing what you're learning. I feel like an emphasis on what you're learning um, is really helpful, and even because it can be it can be harmful to people if you're sharing all of your trauma with someone that, like even your spouse, your spouse may not be ready for that or want to know all that stuff. Right. And right. so sharing more what you're learning yeah. and um, and where you see the Lord moving you and the growth that that you're seeing is possible or that you're experiencing. And so not that we want to avoid the harmful stuff or the negative stuff, but yeah. really leaning into the what we're learning. But yeah. you're
1: right. I think that's when we're tempted to break confidentiality is like if If our spouse is struggling somewhere and we've just heard someone else and we think, oh, that would be so helpful, our motives are right. But if if we're breaking confidentiality, that doesn't make it okay. Mm, So again, I'd go back to get that person's permission and then, Mm -hmm. yeah, bring up a story that you feel could encourage a spouse or friend in that situation.
2: And sometimes just learning how to ask good questions to help your partner, your spouse, Mm. uh, rather than making statements of what you heard, but how to help them self-discover in that regard. I think one rule for me too, uh, not just discernment, but um, when you let other people know that you're seeking help, it really hits the shame piece mm-hmm. because the yeah. shame says, I want everybody in this table or in my world to think I got it all together mm-hmm. in every area, yeah. in my money, in my marriage, in my finances, in my right. sexuality, in every area. But if I say to you, you know, uh, my wife and I are taking a Dave Ramsey course, or if I say, you know, I'm seeking help to uh, on raising my kids or I'm getting some help in this area of my life, mm-hmm. I think there's something that speaks that um, people will think less of us if they know we're seeking help. Right. And I think the opposite of that is true, at least that's been my experience, mm-hmm. when I've just been honest enough to say I've needed right. help in whatever area and just let people know I'm seeking some help in how to process um, a, a loss I'm navigating right. that's causing a lot of grief. Right or I'm getting help in, you know, this area X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. I think people stand back and say, wow, that's pretty neat that yeah. Rodney would care enough about himself to go get some help. Right. Or, so. I, and I think that just models something so healthy yeah, that, that you're saying in yeah. our faith communities, in our world in which we sure. live, in our family systems, that when dad needs help, he goes and gets it. When mom and dad need help, we, we seek it. Right. And what we model is more important than what we say. So yeah. I think that's a really great piece of uh, okay. what you can do in, in modeling. Super good.
0: All right, today's sponsor is Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes has been helping people overcome pornography's powerful grips for 20 years and plus. It's world-class accountability software, and it has insightful educational resources. They got great PDFs. Uh, I just I enjoy their website. Uh, their more recent videos have also been awesome ways to definitely diminish shame. And just last year, Covenant Eyes released its new revolutionary screen accountability software and filtering solution. This uses powerful, really artificial intelligence technology. And honestly, it's kind of scary how awesome it is. Yeah, patented AI
1: technology because it's it's so good. Yeah, uh, very early on in my recovery, Covenant Eyes was a, a huge key because it was a safe, secure place that I could reach out to and start to get help and have that uh, monitoring software on everything I used. And I think it's just an essential tool to have in your recovery kit. And one of the great things about Covenant Eyes is their plans uh, really are designed even for a whole family, that if you have the monthly subscription, you can have up to 10 users and all the devices you want that are protected. So it's not just about your integrity, but what could you do for your whole home to have every device under that plan and to create that safe environment that your family just knows, hey, online, we're not alone, that, that we don't hide out online, but it's a place that we're still in healthy community. So a great value there when you use Covenant Eyes.
0: And Covenant Eyes and us here at Pure Desire have been partnering for some time now and we're thankful to fight the battle for sexual integrity together. Regardless of if you're in group or not, accountability software is an essential tool for sobriety and health. Covenant Eyes right now is offering a deal for you. It's a free 30-day trial of Covenant Eyes if you use the promo code PUREDESIRE, one word, PUREDESIRE at checkout. So go to www.covenanteyes.com and grab that first month free.
1: Okay, guys, uh, so we've been hitting on this topic a little bit about spouses and the interaction there. But for many listeners, their spouse isn't in group or in group yet, Uh, whether the spouse is the one struggling or you're the one struggling and they're the the spouse that's dealing with betrayal. They're just for maybe a lot of reasons not in their own group as of yet. So what does it look like? To talk about recovery with our spouse in that situation, does it need to be avoided?
0: Or can we still bring some health into the marriage when they're not in group? Here's what not to do, okay? (laughs) So you walk in to your house after group and be like, okay, so I learned how you to forgive me better. Like I learned stuff about how you need to understand my brain to like, don't do that. Don't try to fix your
2: spouse. No, right. Group is not about your spouse. Group is about you. Right, right, right. (laughs) Well, you know, this is uh, one for, I think what's really important that uh, we need to let our spouses know is our long-term commitment to our health and wholeness. Yeah. So many times, I think in the addictive cycle, we just want to be fixed right away. I know for me, I just wanted to be fixed and delivered and have that all gone. And what really helped uh, Tracy to have credibility was my long-term commitment to my health, healing, and wholeness. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't just about I found a great answer in group, or I, I no longer have a problem. Right. It was about saying I'm committed to going to this therapist in my in my case, or I'm committed to my group through the end of the year and doing my group work, and then um, knowing you know what part needs to be shared with spouse. Obviously, there's disclosure in the group work that we mm-hmm. do but also the relapse prevention plan or some of those mm-hmm. details. That's where you want to get some help if your, your spouse isn't in a group, for instance, uh, a Betrayal Beyond group, or uh, you're not doing groups simultaneously. You might want to get some help to know how and when to, just dis- wow. what to share the discernment piece, yeah. what's beneficial to my wife where there's transparency, but what's not helpful yeah. for her at this, at this you know, uh, part of my journey where I'm right. at. Yeah.
1: yeah, this is a, a challenging question that we get a lot, because I think for people that are in a marriage where the other spouse maybe doesn't know the extent of what they're struggling yep. with, so particularly if, the, if it's the one struggling, husband or wife, if they're yep. the one that's acting out, and they go, and initially you could say, oh, there's just a men's meeting at church, or there's a women's meeting at church, but if you keep going, sooner or later the spouse is going to say, well, what is this group that you're attending? What's going on? And, yeah. and we don't want to, in our journey towards health, now become deceitful, like, oh, oh yeah. it's just a study about the book of James, or, you know, <laughs> it's, if that's not true, I think if that question comes and we need to face it, we need to say, you know, this is a group about sexual integrity, sure. and I'm just realizing I have a lot to learn, and I, I want to I really be a man of integrity in this area, and um, so I'm, I'm really engaging. Yeah. And I think we fear doing that, because then the next logical question is, oh, do you struggle in that way? And that's where, you know, you get the deer in the headlights, like, okay, is this the moment? Do I need to unload all of it? And here we go. And, and, and I think we've tried to coach men and women through that to say, you need to be honest to a point, but try to invite um, some patience to say, you know, I, I haven't been perfect. It, it is an area I'm struggling or have struggled. And I want you to know that I am committed to 100% honesty mm-hmm. um, moving forward, that if there's things I do, I'm going to be really forthright with you. And there's going to come a point that I'm going to unpack my history, um, but right now I'm fearful that it would just be emotional, right. or I would just be—I wouldn't yep. remember it accurately. You know, that's—and yep. you could even say part of what I'm going to learn is how to be honest about my past, and—and yep. and that can invite some conversation where if the spouse right. is like, "Well, I need to know more right now," it's like, "Well, could we talk to maybe my group leader about right. mm-hmm. what's the right way to do that, or could we look at yeah. some disclosure?" Because there are instances where case by case, a spouse just is not content to wait. It's like, yeah. I've I've got to know. So even then, we try to coach someone up to say, well, don't, if at all possible, say, could you give me a couple of days just to write some things down to make sure it's thorough and not emotional? And I'm not, because the hardest thing, and you could say this to your spouse, maybe the worst thing would be for me to share a bunch now and then remember some more tomorrow yeah. and then remember some more and say, honestly, I, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I want to be honest and accurate. Um Because that's the other side of why you're going to group is your goal is to get to that point. And that's something I'd encourage listeners to think about. Is that my long-term goal? Is my long-term goal to be in a marriage where I'm 100% truthful and real with my spouse? And I think the vast majority of us would say, well, yes. So that's the long-term goal. But now it's just kind of being uh, maybe forced sooner than we expected. I think we can accept it because say, well, this is what I was hoping for anyway. It's just coming sooner than I thought. And you can still walk through that in a way that that could have better outcomes than if you just in that moment kind of emotionally spew whatever comes to mind. Yeah, that's
2: that's good stuff, Nick. And this question kind of has a big range to it, you know, uh, in the sense of uh, you're going to be open with your spouse about recovery. It depends on what they know already. Mm -hmm. Uh, what have you disclosed? It, yeah. it, do they not know you're going to the group? Did they catch you in something and now you're going to the group? Did you proactively let them know you're going to a group? I yeah. mean, there's so many scenarios. Yeah. Um, are you are you currently involved with another person? Yeah. Uh, is, is it just uh, a fantasy or a visual kind of thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many scenarios that uh, it's not just one simple answer. But I do think um, getting some help about when and how to disclose and yeah. when and how to bring your partner in is really important. Sounds
1: like a whole podcast. yeah, right that's there. it's, it's just scenarios. so it's yeah. so
2: so vital and or that's why podcasts. I, right. yeah, <laughs> cool. that's why I think um, you know the, the the if men and women both get in groups simultaneously, the material is so good that'll help walk yeah. you down that road about how and when to start building those um, authentic relationships mm-hmm. where you can be real yeah. to where when disclosure happens, when this painful stuff is shared. The other partner has some framework to right. help them navigate through it. So right. it's not just a dump on them and say, yeah. hey, good luck with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to move on to my own recovery or my yeah. journey of healing. So to me, again, I go back to that discernment word. Right. And if you're stuck, ask a third party, ask a trusted group leader, mm-hmm. ask your counselor, yeah. ask somebody you trust. How should I navigate through this? Because yeah. a lot of us have navigated through yep. scenarios where there's some good practices that are out there that can be real beneficial. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a group right now, your group leader, if your group leader doesn't know, mm-hmm. he'll continue to ask and get some help right. and, and try to give you some good advice on that.
0: I As you guys are talking, I'm just thinking of, you know, potentially a listener that is the betrayed spouse that is in that season right now that I want to know. It, it feels like it's killing you that you don't know. Okay. And um, we've talked about this before. And I, and I think, you know, through we've been doing this for a long time now but we've talked about it and i think it's the un- the understanding that you in order to understand a story or a narrative you need the whole picture and um you know if we're thinking about someone who's in group like they're they're going for a different outcome they're in the like trial and tribulation if you will of the hard work of group in order to get to the healthy season a new season of life and so just to get a little snapshot in like the first two-thirds of a story isn't really going to craft a narrative or really give you a lot of information. And so it's like if I only knew, you know, two chapters in a book that had 58 chapters, that's not going to do anything for me. And so the reason why we have a time and a period of waiting is, as Nick, you were saying, we're connecting those dots and really crafting our own stories in a way that we can tell a holistic narrative, that we can make sense of, This is where I started. This is the culture I grew up in. This is where brokenness entered in. This is how it manifested over a number of years. And then these are the things that are motivating. Due to all that history, I see now the things that are motivating my negative behavior. And the reason why we do that is so that it facilitates a better conversation Mm -hmm. and creates a good foundation with that couple so that we know where we're going yeah. and where we've been. Yeah,
2: there's always a backstory. Yeah. And if you if you just give them one snippet of information, they're not going to get the full context. You know. And the backstory is just, it, it doesn't excuse the behavior, as Heather uh, yes. would say. And of course right? not. Right, but it yes. just informs us right. to why that behavior is. Why do we do what we do? That's a great question. What motivates us to do that? Yeah. And I think the backstory is so good. That's, again... That's why we love our Mm -hmm. seven pillar groups or our Mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, unravel groups because they're going to get to the backstory. What what makes you do what you do? And those are the real problems and these other things are the symptoms. So it just says to your partner... I'm about transforming. I'm not just about behavior modification. Yeah. I really want to be an authentic, real person. I want to share my life with you and, and um, I have authentic relationships and, and learn how to be intimate with people. Mm-hmm. But I got hurt somewhere or stuck somewhere or broken somewhere, mm-hmm. and I need some healing. Yep. And so, again, just context makes a big difference yeah. in that regard.
1: Well, and I think sometimes when a person is saying, you know, the the betrayed spouse saying, I need to know everything right now, what really they are feeling is, I need to know how deep it goes. Mm -hmm. So I I do think it's appropriate in some of those initial conversations to try to create some of the guardrails. The question of, does this involve other people outside of our marriage? Because if that's the case... There are steps that may need to be taken to cut off relationship, to move into a safe place. Even if there's been physical relationships, the betrayed spouse, they have the right to know what's happening to their body because they've been engaged with your body. And so there may be doctor's appointments. Right. Their safety, their protection. Those are things that can't wait. Yes. And and if that's the scenario that you're in, if you're a listener, the truth is your greatest hope of saving your marriage is to face that as soon as possible and as honestly as possible. And that's... That's going to be a hard thing to admit to your spouse, but let me tell you, it'll be a whole lot harder if you try to ignore it for nine more months and then circle back and say, well, actually, there were these affairs. You need to deal with it. Yep. And so yep. that is a yep. case where if they're asking, you need to get on honest soon. Yeah. For a lot of our listeners, though, they could create that guardrail to say it, there is no physical activity with anyone outside of our marriage Mm -hmm. It's confined to thought stuff, online stuff. And I want to be totally honest. I want to do it well. And for a lot of spouses, then that can kind of take their mind from, oh my gosh, my world just exploded to kind of (laughs) pulling the, pulling the boundaries back in and going, oh, I kind of know where the highway is. And I I maybe don't know all of the steps on the road, but if I know where the guardrails are, then I can be patient. So that may be a conversation to try to have and create those healthy guardrails.
0: So, um. What other pitfalls or mistakes have you guys seen, maybe even uh, yourself have made these mistakes or seen people close to you make these mistakes when navigating this idea of relationships outside of group
2: during recovery? Um, One that I think I've made personally and seen people make is the need to overshare. So just that need to feel like Rodney's not being authentic unless he just lets it all out, right? (laughs) And, um, you know, then nobody will ask you, how are you doing? Here? Because they're <laughs> right, like, right, right. I don't want the whole, yeah. oh, shoot, there's Rodney, strike. turn away, turn yeah, away. Yeah, exactly. Don't or, make or, eye contact. Or sometimes just in, in my desire to want to be vulnerable, I've led with some things where it just kind of blows people's, yeah. blows them out of the water. And in my immaturity, if I can be that candid, I've realized that's not helpful, nor does that, um, always create, it maybe creates vulnerability, but it doesn't show maturity. It kind of speaks of huh, wonder why he would lead with that. That's interesting. <laughs> you know what I'm saying so I think it just again, this is a maturity piece. I go back to a discernment piece. not everybody needs to know everything. you can be vulnerable without being over descriptive or just kind of feel like you you know you got to let it all out in order to to reach that vulnerability piece um, so you know that's uh, that's one thing I would say over sharing. The other time is um, just being uh, listening to the spirit when you're prompted to say something in a deep, mature relationship that might be pretty vulnerable because you're making a connection with somebody else that's in a, a dire place, who doesn't think that there's any hope for them. So I think both and uh, are, are both of those scenarios for me are what are some pitfalls or some things that um, um, mistakes. That are yeah, a
1: couple of things that come to mind for me, I, I think we have to consider our motive in sharing and kind of touching yeah. on something you said that we may, if, if we're in a process, whether it's because of our own behavior or something our spouse has done, maybe we're looking for someone to console us or to help us, which can lead to inappropriate sharing yeah. that I'm going to a friend like, well, you'll never believe what she did and all these ways she's hurting me. And, and we want someone to make us feel better, but now we're really sharing things that weren't appropriate and we're going way too far or you know, vice versa. I've, I want to feel validated, so I'm just unloading on a friend, but it's information they didn't need or want, or we're sharing something about our spouse that we shouldn't have been. So yeah. yep. I think just being aware of your motive and sharing, because yeah. if you need that kind of help of being consoled, you need to go back to your group or you need to find a counselor yeah. in an appropriate place yeah. to unload those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other thing that comes to mind is for many of our listeners, they're going to get the opportunity sooner or later to share in a a semi-public or public way, whether it's with their small group, at a men's gathering, or even weekend services where someone says, man, it's so evident God's at work in your life. Would you share your story? Right. I I think in those moments, just make sure that the the right people that need to hear have already heard. Yes. Because I find that close friends or family members, they don't want to hear on a podcast (laughs) or a weekend service something deeply personal about your life. It can be like, what the heck? Why didn't you... Like, I yeah. really wanted to hear right, that. Right, right, right. You know, as a pastor, I had a rule that, in my mind, I didn't want to share anything personal unless my wife and my elders knew it was coming. Right. Because if, if they right. already knew and there was a level of vulnerability yeah. there they were comfortable with, yeah. we were all good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And that can be kind of a check for us. If you're getting the chance to share, praise God, because I really think that's how we defeat the enemy and how this message moves right. forward. But if you're getting that opportunity, just pause and say— who needs to know before I share this? Yeah, yeah. You know, if this is gonna be on my church's podcast or their Correct. weekend service thing, is it time for a phone call to mom mm-hmm. and dad just to process my yeah. childhood? Because you don't want them to hear it through some Facebook posting. So mm-hmm. if you get that opportunity, dive in, yeah. but think first who needs to hear before yep. I go there.
2: And I think in the healthy family systems, I know Tracy and I, you know, we sat down with our kids and and shared our story at the appropriate time when we felt like they were all three ready to hear it. And then uh, followed up with that with uh, future conversations about ask me any questions you want to know. And there mm-hmm. were some deeper questions and some deeper uh, stories, but I feel like they all three know my story. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing about my story or our story that kind of takes them by surprise. Yeah. Kind of going back to your point is that um, you know the people that know you the closest and that are in your trusted circle – They feel like they know you, and uh, for Tracy and I, when we go out and share, if I'm just with a men's group or a group of individuals, there are times I'll be more vulnerable with Tracy on the front row... Um, simply because I want to model for them that you know you can really be intimate and not live in that shame of that yeah. piece. But there's something I would never say on a Sunday morning, right. because people wouldn't have that same context yeah. for it. You know, so I think again that discernment piece is yeah. a big part. But inviting other people in to say, "Hey, did anything I share seem inappropriate today? Or yeah. did my motives seem like yeah, I'm, no, I'm trying too hard?" Yeah. And Trevor and Nick can say, "Hey, yeah, Rod. I mean, where, right. where, where did that come from?" Yeah. But I think that's that—that's that, that's that mm-hmm. invitation where you invite people to look at your motives yeah, and what where you're where you saying.
1: That you made up that you were meeting with the Pope and conf- like that—that <laughs> that was too far, right? Yeah, way too much.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, right, um, right. I, so for me, this—I'll, uh, you know, be honest here. Uh, we're talking about vulnerable authenticity. Like, <laughs> for me, um, we talked about motivations. Like, what's the motivation of sharing? Yes. And there are times when I share with the motivation of really pressuring this person because I know group is good for them um, or that they need it. Yeah. And so I, I, even this morning, had a conversation with a mentor of mine, and uh, I'm realizing um, I can I can basically craft the way I want a conversation to go, usually to get the outcome that I'd like or think that we should have. And so uh, if I'm basically trying to manipulate someone into seeing the right parts of group or the right parts of my story to convince them, um, that's a no, no, I would say don't do that. Um, and then also an extension of that, I'm learning, um, how judgmental I actually am at my core, um, theological arguments aside, uh, but I judge people who don't get into group where it's like, you obviously need to get in, like, you literally have told me and you know where I work, right? Yeah, like, yeah. you know what I do for a living. Yeah. This stuff could be beneficial for yeah. you and would change your life. And when they don't, then judging them and um, and then peppering in these like recovery type answers or thoughts or like, you know, well, if you got in a pure desire, you know, like, so for me, that is one way, yeah. a huge mistake and pitfall that I think mm-hmm. is motivated by the right a desire because if i have experienced healing and i know how amazing it is i want other people to have it yeah but if the motivation then uh kind of shifts in my own brokenness to be like well you need this and if you don't get it then you know you're on the jv squad or you...
2: so yeah, i have let, verbal vomit a little bit but yeah, that's... yeah letting go of agendas and just try to show up authentically yeah. and be yeah. seen and be real right. without kind of a, an agenda to manipulate an outcome right. or you know just try to be appropriately vulnerable mm-hmm. and let go of the agenda. Totally. And let it be what it's going to be.
1: So you're saying Trevor, you become like the the sharks on finding Nemo. You're like <laughs> denial. Yes, that's right.
2: Uh, and you know there there is right. a
1: tension there because when we walk through recovery, I think we do through self-awareness that we're gaining, we kind of get a different lens that we see the world. Yeah. And we start to recognize yeah. easier. Yeah. When people are posturing, they're right. acting like they're something they're not right. and Something in us can be judgmental, like, dude, just get over your garbage already and be honest. We see our own brokenness in them because we've seen it in the mirror. So I I think we do have a choice there, though, that I can come across as judgmental or write them off or look for those opportunities and praying through the Spirit to just say, Lord, would you give me an opportunity to speak with them? And in an appropriate way, coming alongside of brothers and sisters in Christ to say, you know, and I would always lead with your story. God is, I I remember a time I was just really lost in arrogance and felt like I didn't need anybody's help, but... God has done such a work in my life, and you know, just sharing a brief part of our story, and then to say I, I care about you a lot, and I felt today, I you know, I heard you at this gathering, yeah. and it, it didn't feel authentic. I mm-hmm. felt like you were like you had to perform, or mm-hmm. and I want you to know, I don't need that from you, and mm-hmm. I think God could do, you know. So now we're inviting and asking, and then yeah. leaving it in their court, but in an appropriate way that's yep. not guilt, you know, driven or shaming them into something, but out of love hopefully trying to say to others, I want you to find some of the the joy and freedom that God has brought my way.
2: I think another pitfall is just to think that assume everybody's safe, not everybody's safe. Hmm. So that's a real pitfall, I think, is just to assume everybody's Hmm. safe and everybody has your best interest. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just not the world in which we live. So I think, again, that discernment piece is is really important about um, just who you share outside of your group with. Um, and sometimes um, some people that aren't safe are the very religious people that that seem pretty religious on the outside. But, you know, to, to, to be safe would be someone has your best interests. They really care about you. And um, so I think that's an important thing that I um, continue to remember. Not yeah. everybody's safe.
1: Yeah, this this is such a good conversation, you guys. I think so valuable. I think for a lot of listeners, probably something maybe... They're they're very aware that it's happening in their life, but haven't had a chance to sit and think about it. And so I, I think it's gonna be helpful for a lot of people. Um, as we look to wrap up today, any final thoughts for those that are in recovery, how they handle and navigate those relationships
2: outside of group? Um, I, I, I would say final thought would be um keep doing your work in group, (laughs) show up in group and uh, let your voice be heard and lean Uh into it and do the work. The program works if you work it. So keep working your program, keep on your, keep showing up, Um, keep doing your faster scale, your commitment to change, Uh, keep doing the homework, Mm -hmm. you know, keep showing up and doing the group. And then um, just uh, allow time. Time is such a great thing when we do the work that we do plus time is really beneficial. So, um, don't feel like you have to necessarily disclose. There may be a, you know, I'm 22 years, 23 years into my recovery journey. And I, and it's just been a season of coming to new places just because yeah. it's okay to have time and healing under your belt. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah. just continue on that journey and keep investing in yourself.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would just, um, I would say just use your story as a weapon for good. Um, share your experience, share your story, um, share the healing that you've experienced what you're learning and you know whether you're like me in the fifth year of recovery or in your 24th year of recovery uh you're always going to be learning something and so um that ongoing vulnerability of just sharing what's going on what are the added layers of you and your soul that you're learning about and experiencing the lord in and so just use it as a weapon
1: yeah yeah, I remember at the beginning of our journey um, meeting with Ted Roberts and him saying, you know, Nick, this is going to become a major part of your ministry. <laughs> and I was in my head screaming, no way. Yeah. I, expletive, I, expletive, yeah, right? Because I was <laughs> like, I um, double hockey stick. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was of this mindset, like, this is a terrible thing. I need to fix it and right. get it better and move on yeah. and like never talk about yeah, it. Yeah, it was yeah. Good. yeah. And and he had to keep working to convince me. And, and now as I look back, it's just so clear to me. That the way I felt wasn't about discernment or caution, that what I felt was really wrapped up in my story, in my shame, yes. in my sense of worthlessness, and yeah. in the performance mindset that I needed to be good for people to like me. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I would just encourage people as they're listening, if, if there's a part of you that's like, you know, these four and no more, like the four in my group are the only people I'm ever going to talk to that, that may be rooted in some of your shame and fear. And the sooner I think that we can embrace that what God wants to do in me, God always wants to do through me. Right. And even if we're in our first month, that doesn't mean this month. Right. right. But if we have that vision right. of God's going to use this way beyond just my story, mm-hmm. it starts to set us up for those conversations. It yep. makes us aware of mm-hmm. just what you said, Lord, how can you use me? Yep. Mm-hmm. How can you use my story? I, I'm just a broken person finding hope and healing but how can you use me? And maybe Mm -hmm. that doesn't come for six more months as you get healthier and more traction. But the sooner you develop that mindset, I think you'll find that's actually a part of breaking out of shame and isolation and the secretiveness. Um, So just trying to hold on to that thought. And if you're not there, I'm with you. I wasn't there either. But if you could believe that vision, I think God can really do some amazing things beyond what you expect.
2: And Nick, I would just echo that quickly. Uh, I would say that for the religious leader too, the pastor, the priest, the... Uh, The associate pastor, whatever it is, um, it, you know, when you model appropriate vulnerability, it's a good thing of just saying, you know, we're seeking some outside help because we realize we need it. Um, That vulnerability and that it's sometimes we just hide behind that religious mask that doesn't allow us to be real humans on this earth getting help yeah. and yeah. seeking out. So yeah. just beware of that. If you're a right. religious leader right. yeah. uh, holding all those cards so tight, mm-hmm. just again, we're seeking help because we need it. And I think um, that can be a great way of just learning how to be free and living as an authentic person. Well, uh, we know
0: that recovery is an interesting season of life um, Mm -hmm. that has uh, a lot of power to it. And as you go through the process of becoming healthy, it is going to bleed out. It is going to move into other areas of your life. but. Um, As Rodney said only a couple of times discernment is super important. Uh, So being aware of the buzzword (laughs) discernment. (laughs) That's right. It'll be in the hashtags later. Hashtag discernment. Uh, But being aware really of the best ways to be real in relationships is important. Um, And just because one relationship you're not able to be super real and upfront with everything now doesn't mean that later you won't have that opportunity. So we hope our conversation helped bring some value to that today. And Rod, thanks for being here, man. Uh, Glad to
2: be here. And they got these cool mugs and I recommend everybody call and make a hundred dollar donation right. and we will send you one it's the pure desire podcast mug with nick and trevor so give, give us a call hundred dollars we're going to send you one of these mugs that is the first and, guest and oh, just say uh, rodney said so just ask for the rodney special hundred bucks and we'll get you one of these a hundred mugs bucks and help a great cause move forward <laughs> so how's we're, that for a transition so good <laughs>
0: so good so wherever you're at on your journey uh, if you've gotten the podcast mug or not, Pure Desire is here to help create a roadmap for your healing. If you or someone you know is looking for help, go to our website, PureDesire.org, and start your healing journey. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, do it. It's free. It does not cost a hundred dollars. Share it with your friends and family. Which write also a review. Don't get a mug, but <laughs> the mugs right. do cost a hundred. That's right. That's right. And lastly, never stop being healthy.